What is up, guys? Welcome to The Real Build. I'm your host, Bill Ryman, your broker builder. What I'm going to be doing with this show is actually showing you guys what exactly you need to look for prior to buying, building, selling, or even renting a home. I'm going to bring in some of the top people in the industry so we can dive deeper into discussion about these topics and really give you guys the tools you need to learn and know prior to making one of the biggest purchases of your lifetime. So with that being said, guys, welcome to The Real Build. Welcome to The Real Build. I'm your host, Bill Ryman, your broker builder. And today I have a very special guest coming from Detroit, Michigan. He started off as a mechanical engineer for a major corporation. And as he got deeper into corporate America, he had no desire for it. In 2015, with no practical real estate experience and only $2,000, that same year, he remotely purchased two homes in Detroit using strategies he taught himself from books, which is so impressive to me. I can't wait to talk about that more. Since Mm -hmm. getting started, he has fixed and flipped multiple homes, and his main mission is to educate and advocate for real estate investing while establishing resources to rebuild Michigan's communities. He specializes in fix and flips, wholesaling, buy and hold, and rentals. He's an entrepreneur, a coach, a speaker. Darius Barrett, I'm excited to have you on, man. <laughs> Welcome to The Real Build. How you doing today? I'm doing good, man. Thank you for, thank you, thank you for having me on. Nah, man, I, I'm, I'm happy to have you on. Like I said, uh, this is a huge topic. There's a lot of people out there that, I mean, they want to learn more about it. You're making yourself financially free doing your thing. I've been watching yeah. your stuff, man. You're doing an awesome job. So uh, excited to have you on today. Yeah. Um, what I like to always start out with is kind of about your background. Who are mm-hmm. you? Uh, brush, brush on that a little bit. So who is Darius Barrett? Okay. So first off, behind all the titles, I'm really a family man. Like I, I pride, my pride and joy is my family, my nephews, my nieces. I love spending time with my family. I love having that nice, nice knit, uh, close-knit network of family. Um, but behind that, I got my education at mechanical, uh, Michigan State University in mechanical engineering. Uh, I had various uh, internships and co-ops where I got, to learn a, I got to learn a lot of experience about the manufacturing industry, right? But I knew that there was something missing, right? There was no passion for me. I knew that this was only a stepping stone for me, you know, to be able to provide myself with, you know, with enough, fi- with enough finance so that I can do whatever I wanted to do in my entrepreneurship. So as soon as I graduated from Michigan State University, I got a rotational program with General Electric where I was down in Texas and I was kind of isolated away from my friends. But I had a lot of time to really read and figure out what I wanted to do as an entrepreneur. And I just kept digging, man. I kept digging. I I joined a few network marketing opportunities. I joined a few entrepreneur Facebook groups and I just found real estate. I found real estate. I jumped into it. And for me, when I bought my first two houses, the, the feeling that I got, you know, the, the passion that I got, I'm an owner. I now own these properties. I now can either fix them and put my own creativity into them kind of was like worthwhile for me. So I just continue to, to continue to uh, work on my real estate. And the more and more and more I, I just started doing real estate, I found that I could expand. You know, I can go into construction. I can do buying homes. I can do flips. There's so many things you can do in the real estate world. And I haven't even touched on the commercial side of it yet, but eventually that's kind of where I want to go. 
Yeah, I mean, just right there, your story, and when I research you and everything, your story is is super impressive because, I mean, not many people, first of all, would take the leap out of corporate mm. America, you know, a steady, you know, you got that guaranteed check coming in, the guaranteed yeah. money, you know, you're... You're, but but there's you're kind of capped, like you said, and you're kind of stuck Absolutely. at a certain point. I mean, you can only climb the corporate ladder a certain amount. I actually had another guy, similar background to you. He's actually from uh, Michigan as well. Okay, uh, had an engineering degree and so on, and uh, he wanted he took the same thing. He's doing the same. I'll have to link you two up after Absolutely. the show. Uh, he's doing the same thing, flipping homes and doing what you're doing, but. Uh, it's it's huge. It's a huge thing what you're doing, and it's impressive because not a lot of people, and especially you being all the way in Texas, are going to take that risk. I mean, you barely, you didn't have the money in your pocket at the time, and you're like, right. well, I want to better myself, and that's what's holding a lot of people back. And I know that's yeah. what you're preaching too. Yeah. So for me, it was about I knew that I could not pass my job down, right? Mm-hmm. I knew that you know when I want when I want to have kids, right. And I cannot pass my job down to them. I need to be able to, to, yeah. to create something that's going to be self-sustainable for my family so that when I go on, when I go on to the afterlife, that my kids can now take over and still have some financial freedom for themselves and build for themselves. So for me, that was really what it was all about for me. Like, I, I knew that this job was only going to be a short-term thing for me. And I knew that I was just another number. You know, mm-hmm. w- once once they got done with me or once they would need to downsize, I was always, you know, a liability to them. And I could always be removed and replaced with somebody better, newer, fresher, cheaper, you know. Um, so I just took the leap of faith, to be honest. And uh, to be transparent, I haven't even left my job yet. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm still working a nine to five, you know, as a full time mechanical engineer, but the way I set up my systems and my processes, I now have enough time to still go to work and I can, you know, I hire people, I hire project managers, contractors. Um, I hire everybody to do the things that I'm not the best at, right? I'm, I'm more yeah. good at being strategic, putting people in places, knowing how to get things done. But some like the contractors, I hire contractors because I know that they're good at fixing the properties. I'm not going to spend, you know, my time trying to go fixing the properties, although I can save money. So for me, you know, you can actually still do a nine to five and have the entrepreneurship on site. And I would suggest that to anybody, you know, anybody that's looking to be an entrepreneur, but like are tired of nine to five, work your nine to five until you no longer can work until your entrepreneurship is like, you know, becomes until your nine to five becomes a burden on your entrepreneurship, where it's like, I'm making so much money on my entrepreneurship. There's no point to be in this nine to five because essentially my nine to five has provided me an opportunity to pay for my entrepreneurship. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And I mean, that's the thing too, is you got to have that commitment like you did yeah. too. And you got to have the drive. I mean, a lot of people there, they'll argue Sorry. with you. The argument will be, you know, I have a nine to five. I'm tired. I can't do it. I can't do this. But if oh, you can, man. you know, and you, I, you I'm sure you know these objections man. and I'm going to hit them with you with them so you can come back at me with it. But I'm tired. What about my kids? I got to go home. I, don't, yeah. I can't afford to do that. I can't, you know, you know, all the little objections that everybody talks about, but they're the Absolutely. ones holding themselves back. Absolutely. So. You can find time in a day. Mm-hmm. Like we spend so much time BSing that you can be using that time doing something productive mm-hmm. on your business, searching Instagram, watching movies, going out on dates, I mean, that time to be spent, I mean, yeah, you might only have four hours a day, but that four hours a day can add up over time. And eventually, you, before you know it, you got a million dollar business, mm-hmm. you know, off those four hours a day, just constantly working at it, constantly working at it. 
Yeah, I mean, it's it's it, you're spot on. I mean, for example, me doing this podcast, you being on this podcast too. This is something that I do consistently every single week. It's time out of my day to do it, but I do it yep. every single week. You know, mm-hmm. and I could have the excuse easily that I'm working three jobs, which I am. Mm-hmm. I'm a real estate agent. I'm also a builder. I'm also have a home watch business that I started. There's there's all these different things that I'm doing all mm-hmm. at once, but I still find time to do this. I got to edit my videos, edit my uh, my sound, everything, and I take the time to do it. You know, yep. there's always, like you said, you're spot on. There's always time in a day. Everybody always is going to have an excuse, and the people that make the excuses are usually the ones that are going to be left behind, and you're the one that's going to get ahead. Absolutely. So, and know. then they're going to be asking you, how did you do it? Yeah. <laughs> you know, like, how did you get to where you at? And it's like, I've been telling you, you know, I've been doing this for the last five years, been showing you how to do it, been letting you know what I've been doing, how I've been disciplining myself. But all of a sudden, this kind of seemed like this, this this mystical thing that, it, you know, it's hard to obtain, but it's really not. You just got to put in the work. Yeah, you're lucky or it must be nice, too. I did a whole podcast on that, man. Man, <laughs> like, come on. It's not, I'm not lucky. I put in the work. Yeah, and that's what it's all about. You know that 100%. I mean, absolutely. That's that's one thing. So, I mean, I talked, we, we talked about kind of your corporate job, uh, mm-hmm. going from the corporate job to flipping home. But I want to, let's talk about that more. So, yeah. what was your real reason uh, for getting into the business that you're in? Obviously, you still have, you're part of that corporate job. You're kind of starting to work your way out of it. I know you've come yeah. a long way since you first started. Mm-hmm. Uh, what was your reason? Let's talk about that. My reason for being, becoming an entrepreneur? Yeah. Yeah, so... I knew that I didn't want my livelihood to be dependent on anybody. Mm-hmm. I need to figure out. That's like, you know, even I even want to get into this, being able to grow my own food, you know, eventually. But I just do not want my livelihood to be dependent on anyone. Like, so, for example, when companies go through downsizing, you can potentially get let go. And, you know, with no severance pay. So then what are you going to do? What, 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 you know, how are you going to fend for yourself? Unemployment will not a lot of people, unemployment will not be able to provide you enough money to pay for your bills and resources, right? So for me, I always wanted to set myself in a position that if that was the case, you know, if I did, I did need to lean on myself that I can do that in whatever capacity that was. And then also another scenario to that is that I, I like to invest in real estate because I knew that if I invest in real estate and I, if I have homes of my own, I would always have a place to stay. Like, no matter what, if I rent a home, you cannot put, if I own a home, you cannot put me out of my own home, my house that I own, right? And I've, I've seen that in the past where my family, you know, in 2008, they went through a foreclosure, you know, and now we got to move around and rent here and there, and we don't have a stable home because nobody owns the home, right? Mm-hmm. So for me, um, it, it had to do with building wealth and not, and, and uh, focusing on uh, not being dependent on somebody else to provide livelihood for me. Mm-hmm. Yeah, which is I, and that's the thing. A lot of people that are dependent on other people too. They don't. They, and it's back to the excuse factor too. Because I mean, what you're doing, the sky's the limit. Let's put it that oh, way. Oh yeah. I mean, the sky is the limit. You can be whatever you want to be, and then you can own as many properties as you want. That's and and, and it can go from there. But as Absolutely. far as corporate jobs, there's always like like we talked about at the beginning. There's that cap. I mean, you you get as far as you can and then that that less expensive guy is going to come in or somebody mm-hmm. and that's why like i like sales so much i mean with sales no matter what you you are your own 
your your own body. I mean, technically, you put in the work. Yeah, you put in the work. I mean, you sell mm-hmm. as much as you you possibly can, and I mean, Absolutely. you either make one big sale and take off, but that I'm sure you have the mindset. I actually talked about this on my last podcast. I'm sure you have mm-hmm. the same mindset to where you'll make a big deal and get a big deal done. Anybody else would be like, wow, that's a lot of money, you know, in your yeah. pocket. And then they'd just be like, wow, that's amazing. But to you, it doesn't click. You want more. Nah, there's that, I want more. Yeah, there's that I drive. Yeah, you see that check come in, but you're like, oh man, I wish, you know, let's say it's a $2 million deal or something. You want to make yeah. it a $200 million deal. Absolutely. You know? And that's, Absolutely. that's the difference too. Absolutely. I, I just closed on a house probably last week, right? And I got a check for $50,000. And I was excited. I'm talking about a split second excited. And I was yeah. like, I'm back to work. Yeah. I'm back to work. Like, it didn't really, like, I didn't, I wasn't like, oh, I'm, I made it. You know, I'm just shooting $50,000 in one check. A lot of people don't see that in one check. They might see it over a, a, a mm-hmm. year, it's a year's pay. But seeing it in one check, you can kind of feel good about yourself. But for me, it was like, no, put that back in. <laughs> you know, put that, put that back into the business and let's keep growing it. I didn't want to like, I didn't get too excited to the point where I was like, I made it. Mm-hmm. I'm like, no, nah, I'm still trying to go to work. You yeah. know, I went to go look at some houses that right the, the next day. You know, I didn't slow down at all. I'm like, well, I need to make this money work for me again and make yeah. more money. Yeah. And see, that is the major difference right there. I mean, somebody could either sit back with that 50 grand, take it, put it in their bank account and spend, spend it right it. away. Yeah. And, and spend not, it. that's the thing, <laughs> but your, your mindset, okay, you got that little tickle. You're like, all right, I, that that's good. That's good. You know, and then you move yeah. on, you put it right back into the business. What can I do to further this and climb this up and make this 10, 10 make right. 10x this amount to something else. And that's the difference. And that's the mindset too. It's not, me you know bragging or saying anything like that or or showing off it's just a mindset it's a difference yeah it's so different but that's one thing i want to talk about to you too i mean what's very impressive about you is you you started doing this you learned it on your own you didn't i mean Mm -hmm. and and a lot of people would have mentors with this and so on and be guided or grow up in it or whatever, but you learned it on your own. So, yeah. so and, and you were in another state when you bought your first two homes too, which yeah. was with no money. So you said you read books. What are some of the books you've read? What do you recommend as far as that and, and so, programs or anything like that? There was a book for called Real Estate for Dummies. Uh, and then there was a Bigger Pockets, there's a bigger pockets um, website for okay. I just got on there and just really started asking questions, right? So for me, what I've learned is that the more books you read, the information is kind of the same. Mm-hmm. They might use it a different way, flip it a different way, use a different scenarios, but investing in real estate, you get the fundamentals is pretty much the same, right? Mm-hmm. Um, and when I first started, I did not have a mentor, right? I was just kind of winging it, trial and error. Like, hey, I read this in the book. Let me go try it. Let's see if it works. I was doing deals off of my credit cards, not even like knowing if the deal would go through. Like swiping my credit card to get the money off, it was still like in the back of my mind, like I'm not even sure if I'm all the way confident this is going to go. I'm like 80% confident, yeah, right? Yeah. But, but those once it happened and once it happened for me, I'm like, okay, this is real. Like like this, this can't really happen for me. So um, I would always suggest though um, – to not do it on your own. I know I'm kind of one of them stories where I had some success on my own, mm. but if you can get you somebody like a bill, you know, somebody like me that has some experience, a little bit of background that can just kind of help you not make the same, same mistakes you make it because in real estate, 
you can lose a lot of money fast if you don't know what you're doing. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> you know, you can lose a lot like of the money. Stock market, man. Same thing, you know. Man. <laughs> so I would always recommend if you can connect with people or educate yourself as much as possible, you know, get on those forums, get on bigger pockets, read as many books as you can. I mean, that education won't suffice for actually going through the experience because it's never going to be the same every mm-hmm. time. Every every house is going to be different. Every deal is going to be different. Every, you know, closing is going to be different. So, but going through the motions with the books and then going through the experiences and having somebody to tell you like, because once I, once I did get a mentor, you know, that was, it was some deals that I wanted to do. And my mentor was like, I wouldn't do that deal. Yeah. You know, and it could have saved me, it potentially saved me 20,000, a, a loss of $20,000 because I just was, you know, when you're doing deals and you get excited and you're making money, you want to keep doing deals, right? Mm-hmm. You want to say, hey, this, as long as it's a deal, I'm going to do it. And I kept myself, I found myself in, falling into like a, a habit of just wanting to do deals just to do it and not really basing it off the information, the knowledge, and the data. So my mentor was helped, was able to help steer me in the right direction and say, hey, like, think about this. Think about the home mm-hmm. Think about the end buyer. Think about the, the hard money you're going to use. So I would definitely re- recommend connecting with some people that are, you know, that has some experience. Uh, and, it, and they don't have to be a Donald Trump. They don't have to be the a billionaire in real estate, but somebody that has went through the trials when have learned a lot of lessons so you can you know that they can now build that bridge for you and you don't have to make those same mistakes right because mm-hmm. like i say those mistakes i rather make a thousand dollar mistake than a ten thousand dollar mistake yeah, or right. you know like that that could potentially um i've seen that happen to people where they make twenty thousand dollar mistakes and now they're turned off for real estate yeah. they, they don't want to do real estate no because it's not for them they don't make any money it's just you know it's just not for them so for me um, a mentorship could definitely help you, but you have to be the right mentor. Yeah. <laughs> well, that's a, that's a thing. I mean, that's a thing too. I mean, you can find probably anybody just by social media in your neighborhood. Everybody got a mentor. <laughs> yeah. I mean, I, I found you on Instagram. That's the thing. And you, you can just go through and if you are wanting to get in the business in your area, somebody can talk to you. But the thing is too, yeah. I've said this in the past. I mean, be willing to work for free for a little Absolutely. bit. I mean, that time that you spent and the money that you had to spend teaching yourself, you yeah. know, they're going to avoid that by just working for you, helping for you, getting into the construction yeah. part of it and seeing it. But don't ask for anything because the knowledge that you're giving them is worth tenfold to, you Absolutely. know, what you be somebody would be paying them per hour. So, Absolutely. You know, that's the for, difference too. And for me, I like to build those partnerships. Mm-hmm. You know, I like to see people that, you know, have a little bit of knowledge, have a little bit of, conf- you know, some confidence. They're eager. They got mo- they're motivated. I don't got to motivate them. I like those type of people and I bring them people on my team all the time. But if you're like, gimme, 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 you know, you don't want to, you know, put in no work or you don't even want to pay for some resources. It's like, how can yeah. I help you? You know, like your, your mindset is already telling me that, you know, you want this to be the easy way and it's not that easy. Mm-hmm. You got to put in the work, mm-hmm. you know? 
I mean, yeah, and then get the education from you too. I've said it with me too, with the people have asked me about building. Like I grew up in the construction business, so I learned a lot along the way, a lot, a lot, a lot. And yeah. I'm very blessed about it too. But, you know, as far as the knowledge that I had, and it's helped me with real estate, it's helped me with a lot of other avenues um, and branched off into different things. But that's mm-hmm. what I always tell them too is, if, if you want to learn construction, go work for a GC, go work under them for a little bit, you know, get out in the field, do, do yep. the labor. Don't just sit in the office. I mean, learn the office stuff too, but there's all those pieces. Like you said too, you, you yeah. figured it out along the way. Yes. But you've also gotten your mentors too, that saved you from mistakes and so on. So you're going to, every entrepreneur is going to piece people in. You're, you're not going to be able to do it all yourself, even though we want to do everything. Man. <laughs> I know? thought I could. I thought I could at one point in time. Yeah. I mean, that's the difference though. And every entrepreneur really wants to, I mean, and you mm-hmm. still think you, you, like I've always said, I wish I can clone myself and have 10 of me running around and make life yeah. a lot easier. But Absolutely. you know, unfortunately we can't, we have to find the right pieces to put in place for us to get ahead too. Yep, so, I agree. So strategic partnerships are key to your success. Mm-hmm. You only have your own twenty four hours a day, and yeah. there's only so much you can get done in a day. But if you got ten good people, they might not be a bill, right? They might not be, <laughs> you know, but they they're eighty percent of what you want. Yeah, come on, let's do it. Yeah, you know, let, let, let's work. And it takes a lot of the burden off your back too, man. It Absolutely, honestly, too. Now you up. can focus on what you're good at. Mm-hmm. Yeah, you know, exactly. like you might be good at running a business. Okay, I can focus on running a business because I don't have to do these little nuances that I really don't want to do, and I'm really not good at it. But mm-hmm. I only do it because nobody else is going to do it. Yeah, spot on right there too. So let's let's talk about this too. How I mean, obviously with you and we we were brushing on this, but on to the next thing too. How how yeah. can somebody get? St- what's the best way for them to get started in doing what you're doing and real estate investing and so on? Mm-hmm. What's the best strategy to do it besides <laughs> mentorship and all that? Yeah. After the mentorship, where do we go from there? Yeah, just jump out there. Mm-hmm. You know, like you you gotta be you gotta have faith in what you learn. Uh, you gotta be. It's a calculated risk. Mm-hmm. Right. I'm, I'm, I can't tell you that every deal you're going to do, you're going to make 30 grand on. You know, yeah. I can't tell you, but I can't tell you that every deal you do, you're going to make money on. But you got to be able to take those calculator risks and just jump out there. So for me, when I first started, I just started networking and connecting with a bunch of people. I had connected with, you know, I was I had first you got to understand what you're looking for. Right. If you want to do buy and hold, you got to understand what's your return on your investment. Right. What, what do I want to make? Every year, if I want to invest in buying whole properties, and when you know that, now you can start looking for those deals. But if you don't know that, you don't know what you're looking for, then it's going to be a challenge. You know, it might be some deals that come across your table that look good, but you don't know the numbers on it. You don't know where the numbers need to fall at. You don't know the rehab cost. You don't know the purchase price. You don't know the maintenance, the CapEx, the insurance on it. So when you have enough knowledge, you can start putting these deals together, right? Um also, when you're doing flips, also know your return on your investment. And you got to, when you're doing flips, you got to focus on the data, right? You got to focus on, if I get, if I have this subject property, right, it's a three one-in-ones and it's a colonial, I have to make sure I have a comp that's going to support the price that I want to sell it at. If I don't have a comp that's going to support the price that I want to sell it at, then that might not be the deal. Mm-hmm. And you always have to go back to the numbers. Sometimes emotions 
can like get us so excited that we really want to do a deal and we just really want to do it. it sometimes it could be our first deal, it could be our 10th deal. I just love doing deals sometimes. And sometimes I got to take a step back and be like, hold on, really look at the numbers. Don't try to force the numbers because if you force the numbers, you could potentially make a lot less than you think you're going to hmm. make. Um, but for anybody that's really want to get in the game, I would say jump out there, right? You hmm. Go out there and buy your first house because you won't learn a lot until you buy your first house. Now, there's plenty of different avenues to buy. You can connect with wholesalers. You can go on auction.com. You can, there's plenty of, well, in, in, in Michigan, we have an annual auction, um, which is the tax foreclosure auction. We have two of them. And the first auction comes in October and the other one is in September. You can literally go in there and buy a house for 10 grand, five grand. If you, if you get lucked up and nobody sees the house that you want, I bought houses for $2,200 and could put somebody in them. Some one I bought, I had a tenant in them already and I could have rented it out, but I ended up selling it back to them and one didn't have a tenant. But imagine buying a house for $2,200 that already has someone living in it. And all you got to do is say, pay me. Now pay me $700 a month. Yeah. You know, so. It's a no brainer. It's a no brainer. It's like, (laughs) of course, you know, Um, but I would just say, you know, take the leap of faith. Go out there, do your first deal. Once you get educated enough, just go do your first deal. Yeah, yeah. I mean, that's the thing too. I mean, I want to go into this with you too because that leap of faith is hard for a lot of people. And that calculated Uh, risk, you know, they have that voice in the back of their head that's constantly stopping them, constantly Mm -hmm. telling them, don't do it, don't do it, don't do it. I mean, you're going to spend all your money. This could go wrong. Yeah. How, <laughs> how did you get past that? I mean, that's the thing is a lot of yeah. people can't. How did you get past that? So I've already during my engine, I, I give a lot of credit to my engineering. Um, yeah. I want to get my engineering degree because it took a lot. I was in school six and a half years. Yeah. I did take a co-op. I did take a semester off. I did take a summer off to go to Spain, but Getting your engineering degree is pretty challenging. And I wasn't the one. It's not easy, right? And I was the one that gave it my all. I didn't just go to school and just, you know, I'm going to get average grades. You know, I graduated with a 3.3. You know, I I made dean's list a couple of times. So I was really putting in the work. So that kind of translated over to my entrepreneurship side because I knew how to put in the work. You know, I took the risk to go to school, put in his work, miss parties, miss hanging out with my friends sometimes, and I put in that work. So for me, I had already built up this resiliency to say, hey, I've spent nights where I didn't eat, you know, because I'm studying. I've spent nights where I didn't get a haircut because I'm studying. I've been broke, you know, because I'm trying, I'm working three jobs and I'm paying for school. So for me, it's a little bit different. And where I come from, you know, we, we come from, my background has a lot of resiliency in it, right? I don't, I went through a lot of things where I didn't have things handed to me and I had to really work for it. So those kind of built my character. Those turned me into the person that I am today because, you know, even when I was growing up, I didn't, my parents didn't hand, you know, didn't uh, buy, they bought me nice things, but the things that I really, really wanted, I had to come with half of the money. Yeah, I'm the same way. You know, my parents yeah. wasn't like, here, here go all these nice things. And, you know, you're doing OK in school and et cetera, et cetera. The things I wanted, my mother told me that, hey, if you want those things, you got to meet me halfway. Mm-hmm. And if you can come with half, <laughs> I'll get you whatever you want. And I started coming with half every other weekend. 
you know, so that had already built this, you know, this entrepreneur spirit inside me that, hey, I know how to go make some money. Mm-hmm. You know, I know how to figure out how to sell some clothes, sell some shoes, sell some things that I don't want to make some money. And it worked for me. And I only can say that in hindsight, right? Like doing that at the time, I didn't think that, you know, I would be an entrepreneur. I just was like, hey, I want the nice, I want the new Jordans, mm-hmm. you know, and I'm going to figure out how to get these new Jordans. But that really translated over to my entrepreneurship side because there's always a solution, right? There's always a way around a problem. Mm-hmm. Um, there's, there's never, for me, there's never been a roadblock that I couldn't get around. Mm-hmm. You know, there's never been a roadblock that was like, I'm stuck. I don't know how to get around it. I got to go backwards. I've always found a way to get around that roadblock and I always kept that same mindset. Like, whatever roadblock that come my way, I'll shift, mm-hmm. you know? Oh, if I can't sell this house um, in three months and I'll decrease the price. If I can't sell it, then I'll rent it, you know? It's, there's always a solution, yeah, yeah. you know, awesome. it's, yeah. instead of being like my initial plan didn't work. Um, I don't know how I'm going to figure it out. You know, no, there's always another plan. Just think about it. Take some time, breathe, mm. you know? <laughs> so, yeah. No, it's, I can't, I can't. Uh, I mean, I, I, I'm a hundred percent the same as you growing up too. And I've said this on this podcast too, when I actually told my story a little bit, uh, if I wanted something, yeah. I had to work for it. That's the way yeah. it always was growing up. And, yeah. and you know, if I wanted that new Xbox that was coming out when the Xbox came out too, I remember I was out, out back digging ditches, trying to, mm-hmm. you know, save up the money getting paid hourly to do so. That's the way my parents were too. That's why, I mean, my dad came from nothing. He and he's, he grew up that way. His parents didn't give him anything. He's like, and he, I always sticks in my head. I mean, he'd always say, I didn't, I grew up that way. My parents didn't hand me anything. Why should I do the same to you? Absolutely. You know? And, and it, and it does help you along the way because you, I've had to always figure stuff out too. You know, I went yeah. to college as well. And, and I always, I, I always worked while I was in college. I was doing security at clubs and so on, but yeah, I always had to figure out a way yeah. you know, to make <laughs> some money to get by while I was still going to school too. You know, I didn't have a car at the time. I've told this story where my dad made me, uh, there was a party that weekend too, but guess who had to come all the way back from Tampa down to, down to Naples, Florida, three hour bus ride because I didn't have a car. He goes, hop on the Greyhound bus. I need you to work. So he picked me up at the the local Taco Bell and he goes, how's it feel not to have a car? You might want to work for one now too. There you go. There you go. So it's just, I I feel you on that one, man, a hundred percent. It puts on, it helps you. I mean, with the risk thing too, because it's back to the excuses, man. Everybody has an excuse. Everybody, there's something holding everybody back from something. And once you get past that too, and I love what you said about making shifts too, Mm -hmm. because everything in life, you're going to have to make a shift. Something's not going your way. You got to figure it out. You can't go backwards. You got to keep moving forwards. I'm a big believer in that too. Absolutely. You know, God, God puts stuff in front of our path for a reason. We learn from it. We make that shift. That's the thing. So it's, (laughs) I'm a big believer in what you said there. That was so spot on. I love it, man. But it's, it's, it's a hundred percent just, there's a lot of people that have excuses and there's other people that get past that and they progress and they keep climbing and climbing the ladder. Because there's always going to be something Mm -hmm. like, I can't tell you like, once you become a millionaire that all your problems are going to go away, no. you're going to have different problems. You're going to have millionaire problems now. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> you, you know, like all problems don't go away just because you're a millionaire. Now you just got different problems. Mm-hmm. 
Like we figuring out how to make the million and get to those problems. And now when we have the million, we have different problems. Now we got to figure out how to keep the million. Yeah. You know? <laughs> yeah. And then, I mean, yeah, you're keeping the million because when you have a million dollars, I mean, you're spending more money to keep that million dollars. So you got to figure out ways to keep that money and make more money too. And it just there, keeps there happening go. too. And I mean, that's why you see <laughs> billionaires still trying to make even more money too. And no taxes. And you know, yeah. they're not just saying I'm going to give my money away. Mm-hmm. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Absolutely. Exactly, man. Uh, you, you said to, you know, the name of the game is leverage. So yeah. explain this a little bit. Okay. So when I first did my first deal, I only had $2,000 in cash, mm-hmm. but I leveraged my credit cards. Okay. You know, although credit cards have high interest rates, you know, but at the time, that's what I knew. And at the time, I knew that I had access to that capital. Mm-hmm. So that was me leveraging, you know, my good credit, you know, my credibility to go get another $2,000 from my credit cards, buy, you know, two houses for $4,000 and sell both of those houses for $10,000. I made $6,000 quick, mm-hmm. right? So I use other people's money. You know, I only had to pay a small chunk of money. Uh, for that on interest for that $2,000. So I didn't even really pay the $2,000 because I paid it back, you know, mm-hmm. and I paid it with a little bit of interest. So that was kind of like free money essentially. So for me, I'm always looking to figure out how to do a deal with no money, with, with none of my money, essentially, right? How can I go, go get a private money lender, right? That's another way to leverage other people. You can go get a private money lender, which would be someone that looks like me and you you know, no, no corporation that, you know, maybe we have a couple hundred thousand dollars just sitting around, you know, you got doctor friends that just have money and don't want to put it into the stock market, but Hey, you know, I got some deals you can invest in into and I can give you 20% of your money. Right. Mm-hmm. A lot of those times they'll cover the fees, the, the funding, the purchase price, the rehab or the gap funding, right. You can go and get other people's money and make the money work for you. You can go get a hard money lender, right. You can go get a hard money lender, and instead of you paying, let's say a deal is going to cost you 50 grand to purchase and another 40 grand to rehab, right? I don't have 90 grand just sitting around. You know, I'm going to go leverage a, a hard money lender to get this deal done for me. You know, maybe I, only, maybe I only got 20, right? Maybe I can just put down a 20 grand and leverage my 20 grand to get the whole 90 to get this $90,000 deal done. And this $90,000 deal done, when I sell it, I'm going to sell it for 150. You see what I'm saying? So mm-hmm. now I made money without having to use this. And I got my $20,000 back plus another 30, right? And it, it gives you the opportunity to do more deals, right? Because you only, your, your cash can only stretch so far. Mm-hmm. But if you use leverage, you can times 10, $100,000. You can turn that $100,000 into a million dollars easily, you know, if you know what you're doing, if you got mm-hmm. the right resources. Um, credit cards. Credit cards are a great resource. They are high interest rates. But I always suggest that if you're going to get a credit card, get it. When you, before you first get it, you use it because you have the zero interest period, yeah, right? Yeah. <laughs> use it. You know, like use it until you can't use it and then pay it back before the interest period starts. A lot of the time you can get those credit cards with a year and a half, zero interest. Mm-hmm. Perfect. Like I got, you know how many deals you can do in a year and a half? Mm-hmm. You know, with somebody else's money that you didn't have to use. Um Lines of credit, you can go. There's a lot of different tools out here, and I don't even know them all. These are just the ones that I've been able to tap into um, with my network, and I'm looking to get more and more tools to be able to do bigger deals, of course, 
But lines of credit has helped me to do deals because usually on a line of credit, you have shorter, you have uh, smaller interest rates, mm-hmm. right? On a credit card, you might be paying 15, 18% on a credit card on a line of credit. I only might pay six, mm-hmm. you know? Um, and some of those credit cards are can be based off of stated income. They can be based off of your W-2 returns, et cetera, et cetera. But that's still money that you don't have to pull out of your own pocket to go get deals done. So big companies do it all the time. If you look at Apple, right? They might have a billion, three billion dollars in debt that they're financing, but they're making 15 billion. Mm-hmm. So they're using other people's money, right? They're using a billion dollars in somebody else's money to go make 15 billion. Like big companies do it, we can do it as well. Yeah, I love that example right there too. I mean, the next thing though, too, that somebody would ask is, let's say, how would you go about get, getting a private money lender? How would you mm-hmm. go about doing getting a hard money loan? Or how, yeah. how, how would you go about doing these things? Obviously, credit cards and everything are self-explanatory. Yeah. Uh, you know, bank loans, a bank loan, if they can mm-hmm. get one. But the hard money lenders, the private money lenders, those are the people mm-hmm. too that... And another thing too, what if you don't have good credit? What are you going to do, right. you know, to, to do something there too? That would be another question. Yeah, so private money lender, you just um, you can use high high network individuals, right? The doctors, the people that you might have a family member that's a lawyer. You know, they make a lot of money, but you see they're blowing. You know, you see they're spending. They don't know how to invest their money, but you have the expertise, mm-hmm. right? I got the education. You got the money. Let's come together and we can make some money together, right? So it, it takes a little bit of time to have that conversation. I'm not going to tell you, hey, the first time you go talk to your 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 auntie that's a lawyer that she's going to do it. No, it might take you a year. Mm. You know, at first you build, you need to build some rapport, right? First, yeah. people have to trust you and you people, people have to feel like you're credible. You know, I can, t- I can tell you from um, a personal experience, right? I ended up leveraging my mother's house and did a cash out refinance, right? But that took me almost a year and a half to get done. <laughs> like the first time I told my mother, because I knew we had an asset that was free and clear and I knew where it was at. I knew how much I can get out of it. I knew what I, knew what I could do with it, right? Mm-hmm. I had to literally build credibility with my mother. <laughs> you know, build rapport with my mother and explain to her, like, look, I have a strategy. You know, look, I can, show, I can, I can flip the money. And for the first six months, she wasn't hearing me. You know, but I wouldn't press it. I wouldn't push it. But, you know, every, every couple months, I would just bring it back to her. Bring it up, bring it up, bring it up. And eventually she trusted me. So you have to do that same thing with private money loans, right? Mm-hmm. You have to build rapport. You have to build trust. Um, do a couple of deals on your own. It might You might have to go the hard way to do a couple of deals, right? But once they see you've done a couple of deals and you have something to show for yourself, now they're like, hey, you might have something here, right? Like, <laughs> I seen that house you just did and it was beautiful and I seen that it, it sold in 30 days. That was great. Can I get in? You know, I now have my 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 sister. I now have my sister's boyfriend. They all gave me money to now invest and not without even me having to ask them just seeing my results. Mm-hmm. So private money lender, I would say you got to build rapport first. Yeah. You got to just get out there, build rapport, connect with them. Don't try to sell them at first. You're just looking to build a relationship. And then eventually that will further into something else. And then, you know, in conversation, you know, you, you they might talk about, hey, I, I made 10% in the stock market this year. You'd be like, hey, I can make 20%. 
mm-hmm. know, it's just those simple conversations. You got to know when to jump in. You know, you just can't be forcing it down on people's throat. Um, but a hard money lender, um, there's a hard money lender that you can tap into. These people are everywhere, right? These are, well, not hard. Private money lenders are your everyday people. Mm-hmm. These are people that you might run. These could be your doctor. These could be your chiropractor. I have a chiropractor that I've literally tried to get him, <laughs> get him on the deal in. And, uh, and, but I built rapport with them, right? Like we're literally friends. I can pick up my phone and call my chiropractor and be, and we can talk about whatever. Right. Yeah. yeah. Um, so I built rapport with him and I've, and I've shown him some of my deals and he trusts me now at this point. Um, so private money people are like your everyday people, the people that you run into, I'm on a regular day basis, the people that you interact with at all the time. It could be somebody at your job, you know, that, Hey, like I got a 401k and I got 400,000 in there. You know, you can turn that 400,000 to $800,000 within a couple of years. Mm-hmm. And they, and, and that's, and that's doable. Right. So hard money lender, I would say these are everywhere too. If you Google hard money lender, you can find a bunch of hard money lenders, but these are major corporate, you know, major corporations, but they do have a lot of more fees. Yeah. You know, it, it, it's not, I wouldn't say it's as easy to get the money, um, but you're going to pay more for that money. You know, you might pay 4.7% on the money when you could have went to the private money lender and they might have just said, hey, give me 10, give me, let's split the deal. Matter of fact, I don't even want you to pay me monthly. We just split the profits at the end. You know, so it's on, on your end, it's low upfront costs. With hard money, you have to put some upfront costs. They want to make sure you have skin in the game. They're not mm-hmm. just going to give you $100,000 with no skin in the game. You want $100,000, okay, you got to give us twenty, dollars and we'll give you the $100,000, and you got to perform, or we're going to go, and we're going to take that house if you don't perform. So it's a little bit more risky, but it's, it's, it's all doable if it's, it's a calculated risk, right? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and... What if somebody, where, where would they go? Let's say if they had bad credit, what if somebody mm-hmm. has no credit at all? What, how, how, I mean, obviously, you know, yeah. private money lender is probably the best route because they got to build a rapport. But what was, what would be with no credit an option, yeah. you know, because you can't pull out a credit card and yeah, if you don't have no credit. Ah, that's tough. Right? <laughs> that's a challenging one. I would say work on your credit to me. A credible person has good credit. Yeah. Like yeah. you, at least some decent credit, you know, like, yeah, you might've made some mistakes here when you were younger, but for me, a credible person pays their bills. Yeah. And if, if I'm a person and you can't pay your bills, why? And I'm a little bit skeptical about lending you my money now. Yeah. yeah because I'm like, Hey, like you have a 520 credit score. You can't even pay the, the cable bill on time. Yeah. It makes sense. (laughs) (laughs) You know, so uh, I would say work on your credit, you know, for people that have bad credit, pay that off because I can tell you right now, I have a good credit score right now, but it wasn't, it took me like three years to get to where I'm at now. Mm -hmm. And I did it diligently. You know, I made sure I paid things off. I made sure if I was paid, you know, pay debt down, pay personal debt down. It can be hard and it can be time consuming, but, um, if you're investing, you're making that money work for yourself, yeah, right? Yeah, yeah, too. Th- that first two thousand that I took out of my credit card, I had about another eight grand that, that I still owe. You know, so when I got that ten grand back, of course I put five grand in my pocket, but I paid five grand back. I didn't need to pay five grand back, but I that was like me being disciplined. I could have yeah, took that whole being t- smart, yeah. right? 
because I knew that I was going to, I knew that my credibility is everything in this game, right? And if I want to go to banks to get deals done, if I want to go to any lender at any scale, they want to figure out my character, who I am, what's my credibility, what's my, they want to know who I am. And my credit score is a, is a good indicator of, okay, he has, he's been, he had credit cards for over 12 years and he's made payments for all these 12 years. That's a, that's a good sign that, hey, he's going to pay me back now. So, (laughs) (laughs) yeah, I mean, I I agree with you on that one, man. Cause if you, if you don't have good credit, it kind of doesn't make sense to be able to buy a house and regardless, unless you had cash full on cash for the house too. So yeah, if you're listening to this, you want to get into this, start working on your credit. If you got bad credit, cause anywhere, anything in life too, though. I mean, you gotta have your credit in order to, I I highly agree with everything you said right there. Mm-hmm. Um, I, one thing I was curious about with you too, yeah. and you know, you, there's, you've kind of brushed on these different types of, um, properties, you know, buy and holds, flips, rentals, yes. stuff like, you know, those different ones. So how do you know, how do you know going into it? Say you buy a house. How do you know this one, this house that I just bought, mm-hmm. I'm going to be able to rent it or, you know, obviously yeah. You know, there's some market analysis in there, but a lot of people don't know how to do that. I mean, I'm in right. the real, I do real estate. I know how to do so these know. things, yeah. but some people don't. But I mean, how do you know, all right, I'm going to buy this thing. I'm going to buy and hold it. It's going to grow over three years or I'm going yeah. to flip this thing right away and make 20K. Yeah, how do you know? it's, all in the, it's all in the data. Okay. The, the numbers won't lie to you. Um, you have to trust the data. You got to believe in the data. I mean, there are some intrinsic things that are not data related that you have to think about as well. So buying holds, right? I have to put my mind, I had to put myself in the mindset of a tenant, right? If I was a tenant, would I want to live on a block that has a lot of abandoned buildings, burnouts, uh, vacant lots, you know, I might steer away from that, right? So mm-hmm. if I was an investor, that might not be the best investment for me because now you're going to limit, you're going to... um limit the pool of renters that you're going to have, right? Now you have this big pool of renters that wanted to buy three bedrooms on bad, but now since it's in this distressed area, you you just limited your pool to maybe not the most desirable tenants, right? You mm-hmm. always want to get the most desirable tenants that are going to pay you. Um, so for me, I have a number, right? I have a number that I'm looking for return on my investment. I'm looking to get 15 to 20% return on my investment for any asset, right? So that's pretty much saying that that 15% is determined based off the purchase price plus rehab and how much money I'm going to make on an annual basis. If that comes out to 15%, then I'm interested, right? Mm. Now, when I go look at the house, I'm looking at the neighborhood and say, okay, well, what would my tenant want to live here? Okay, the, the block, look, and it doesn't have to be the, the best block because you, you still have to keep in mind that this is a tenant. You know, um, I've seen tenants live in worse situations, right? But you want to give them the best scenario because you want the best tenant. Mm-hmm. Um, then I would go in a house, check it out, inspect it. For me, I'm not going to, I'm not looking to make my rentals flips. Now I'm going to break that down. What I mean, I'm not looking to make my rehab for my flips, which is granite countertop, brand new cabinets, ceramic floors, hardwood, like the works, right? Because yeah, yeah. You, you're looking for an buyer to buy this house. So you have a different, um, a different customer essentially when you're doing rentals versus flips. Now rentals, you're just looking for it to be functional and you're looking for it to be clean 
neat and everything works. It doesn't have to be brand new. Yeah, you can add a, a nice black splash. You might be want to add a nice little countertop, maybe add appliances to it as well, but you don't want to overdo it, right? Mm. Because it's a tenant and a lot of times tenant, they essentially don't own the house, so they're not going to take care of it as they own it. Yeah. You know, some do. You know, you have some good tenants that will take care of your property like it's theirs. They'll cut the grass. They'll plant flowers. They'll do the whole works like it's theirs. Some want you have, but you have to plan for the worst case scenario, right? Um, then once that is done, you want to make sure you find a desirable tenant, right? You want to do the whole due diligence. You don't want to just, for me, I've let, I've let family members rent some of my places, but this was like family that I trusted. Mm-hmm. I wouldn't recommend it. You know, I wouldn't recommend, you know, if you got a family member or a friend, because it's now it's personal. Yeah. You know, but when I do, when I, when I hire, when I um, let people rent my places that are just um, regular people that I don't know, it's business. I could treat it as business, right? There's a transaction for you to stay in my house. You need to pay me this amount of much money every month. And if you don't and you break our business transaction, now I can essentially put you out, right? Mm. When it's family, it's a bit more emotional. It's like, you, how dare you put, you know, me out? I'm your cousin or I'm your auntie, right? So, but you always have to keep the business when you're doing your rental. So for me, I pull background checks. Um, I look at credit score. I look at if you can pay your bill. Like I said, you can pay your bills on time. And you don't have to have the best credit score. I'm not looking for you to say, go have an 800 credit score. Because if you had an 800 credit score, you essentially go buy a house, right? Mm-hmm. But you need to be able to, I need to feel confident that, hey, you're going to pay your rent on time. I need to look at employment. I need to look at pay stubs. You have to do your whole due diligence and then go with your gut, right? Like, look at their character, right? How does it feel? How do they make you feel? You know, do they make you feel like they're not going to pay? If they don't, then that maybe that's not the person that you want to be renting out your place. You know, sometimes I do make gut decisions and be like, mm, I just don't feel right. Mm-hmm. I just don't feel right about this. So yeah. that's how I do my rentals. Now into the flips. The flips are a bit more funner, right? The flips are a bit more funner because you're turning this distressed property or you're turning this property that needs some love or, you know, and you're making it a beautiful project, a beautiful property. And to see that come to life, right? To see you get out of the kitchen and put in all new things and the transformation of that is, is worthwhile for me. Mm-hmm. And those numbers are solely, you know, those numbers are based on data. I look at the MLS. I look at what's sold. I look at, um, there's, a, there's a place called bestplaces.org. And it shows you um, what is your median range buyer in that city or that zip code, right? So now I want to fall in the median range because like I said before, now I want to be able to have a pool of buyers. I don't want to limit myself. So for example, if I go get a million dollar project, right? I could potentially make $250,000 off a million dollar project. Mm-hmm. But, but the number of buyers that you're going to have at a million dollars are this small. Right. But if I go get a two hundred thousand dollar project and I can make 40 off of it, my buyers are this big. Right. I got this many buyers that are going to buy at this price and I can come in and get this deal done. When I put it on market, it's going to go fast. You want it to go fast because you have to pay a time on your money. Right. Mm-hmm. There's a cost to hold to every day you hold it. That's costing you. 
and I don't want to hold it no long, no no days longer than than I have to, right? So for me, I do my due diligence based off of the data off the MLS, and that's telling me what has sold. I'm looking for properties that sold within 30 days. I'm looking for same bath bath count. I'm looking for similar um, square footage within like maybe 300 plus 300 minus range. I'm looking for architectural style because um, in Detroit and Michigan, we have ranches, bungalows, colonials, and these are all different type of houses, right? Um, but it can still have the same three and one bath, bath count, right? But it might be a different style of house. You cannot count that to be the same. I cannot use that ranch to my colonial and say, hey, my colonial will sell for the same much, same amount yeah. of much as this ranch will sell for it because it's just not apples to apples, right? But when you have the data, the data won't lie to you. And then you got to hire, uh, and I know this is one of the questions as well, contractors. Go, go, into, <laughs> yeah, go into it, man. That's a big one right there. <laughs> contractors can essentially be your Achilles heel, right? They can mm-hmm. save you some money or they can cost you a ton of money. And if you don't do your due diligence on these contractors and you don't bet them properly, you can potentially come out a lot of money. So Detroit is a, it's a unique market because um, everybody does a little bit of everything and we always want the cheaper cost, but maybe that cheaper contract, it might not be the contract you want to go with because that contract and now that contract that might run off with your money. You know, he was so cheap that he really, really needed the money. And when you paid him, he ran off with the money. Right. So for me, what I do with contractors I look for contractors that have some experience. They might not be the top of, they might not be a bill, right? They might not be the top of the line, a new construction contractor. They can come in and get this thing done in 20 days, right? Because I know that contractor is going to do a great job, but that contractor is going to cost me. Mm-hmm. I'm, I'm, I got to pay a premium for those type of contractors. And that's okay. Um, then you have the lower tier contractors that might be just him and another friend. They don't really have a company behind them. They're not trying to establish a company. They don't really have their own tools. They, they can't pick up material. They hit or miss, you know. Um, they don't really have a, a utility truck to pick up stuff in. That's the low tier contractor, right? But then you got the middle, the sweet spot, right? The ones that you really want to do on investment properties because these are guys that, you know, they have a small team but they have a good team. Mm-hmm. You know, they have people that they trust that they've worked with probably for years. They might not have five teams, but they might have two good teams that they can get things done in a timely manner. And they got trades. They got, they got plumber. They got an electrician. They got a, they got a painter. They got a drywall person, right? Because you want to, when you're doing flips, you're essentially going to need all these different mm-hmm. trades to come in and make the project work for you. So you want to work with a contractor that has these things already. And for me, the one thing that I do, um, I don't, a contractor can show me pictures, but I don't really care to see pictures, right? I need to go to your job site. Mm-hmm. I need to go to your job site. See reality. See reality, because this is going to tell me how you actually work in, in real life, right? Are you clean? Do you practice safe, safe, right? Are you safe in the work environment? Do you clean up behind yourself? Do you make a mess and have to clean up behind it and make things worse? Um, how many guys you have working, you know, are they, do you have to, can they supervise themselves? Are you here all the time? 
you got to really get a feel for their work because, and then people can pass off pictures, other people's pictures for themselves. And you will say yeah. that, Hey, like they do good work. And then they come to your work and it doesn't look like the pictures. Right. But when you go see those jobs, you get to see it in real life. Like I went to a contractor um, place, right. I was looking to hire for a project and he kept telling me like, this is what the owner wanted. But for me, although the owner wanted this, the craftsmanship and the time you put into this, I could tell that you you skipped some things, right? I could tell you cutting corners mm-hmm. and cutting corners don't look good when you're flipping houses, no. right? <laughs> like It don't look good at all. <laughs> it don't look good. Just like you told me how that lady come in and inspecting everything. She's probably like, hey, there's some crown molding and that little bit of corner over there, you got to put that, you got to go all the way further to the left. And if mm. you don't have... Um, people that can do that, that will, that want to give a, co- a quality product, you're going to find yourself spending more money going mm. behind them to fix those things. Right. So for me, I like to find the contractors that know what they're doing. And the second contract that I went to, I went to their project. He had about three guys in there. It was a small project, but he had about three guys in there. They had, um, plastic rolled out they have paper rolled out so they're not trying to make a mess they understand we're not trying mm-hmm. to make a mess we clean about we got they got everything taped off neat they got job sites you know uh sectioned off so there's not a lot of dust getting all through the house because essentially that's creating more work for them and they understand that right mm-hmm. you know so for me contractors can be your achilles heel they can either make you a lot of money and they can save you a lot of money. Now I got some horror stories, <laughs> <laughs> and I'd love to hear them too. I mean, I, I, right, I, just right there, though, man. I, I, like, wow. First of all, I, second, I mean, everybody listening to this too. I mean, Darius has dropped probably years of knowledge just just within this past. I don't even know how long we've been going, <laughs> but I mean, this is awesome, man. Been it's been awesome so far. But no, I. I mean, I highly agree with you on the contractor thing too. I mean, we're very meticulous. We're very clean. We keep our job sites clean. That's the difference. Mm-hmm. That's a difference maker. Cause I've gone in other contractors jobs just cause I was curious. I mean, you could see outside driving by these things, there's stuff all over the place, you mm-hmm. know, trash everywhere. So on, we have a, we have a guy that, you know, you know, make, I used to have to do this as a kid sweeping jobs. My, my, my dad always wanted them. Everything had to be perfect, meticulous. We'd always yeah. keep them clean back. We'd shop back them too and, yep. and make everything perfect. And I actually like our painter, for example, that we just hired. I mean, we had a painter before that never put to uh, put anything down, never laid paper Man, down, never did anything. Making a mess. Yeah. And now we got a <laughs> painter that this guy tapes off every little thing. Yeah. Everything's got to be taped off perfectly. He's more money, you know, yeah. and you can see the difference and, and the prep work and so on and how these guys go about it. But yeah. it rubs off on you too. You mm-hmm. being the contractor and you doing the job too and you being the guy that's got to flip it i mean the first person they're going to go to is you yeah. you know and that's that's the biggest difference too so it, it, what you said right there was was awesome man and i mean well everything you've said so far is about 10 years worth of knowledge so, <laughs> i mean props to you man this is awesome i pick up fast i pick up fast yeah yeah <laughs> i mean a lot of great info so far for sure man that, that was that was spot on but you know i mean you have to do things right for you to make that top dollar, uh, and, and what you're doing, I mean, yeah. you, you, you probably critique it 
better and more than anybody walking through there too mm-hmm. i mean you're you're your own worst enemy when it comes Absolutely. to stuff you're flipping i deal Absolutely. with it with our builds and our co- i'm sitting there scratching little things off walls i mean you see yep. you see you know mm-hmm. you know but you want it right you want it done right and that's that's what separates you from everybody else absolutely i think once you do it right and people like a quality people can tell when you, when you have asked it like mm-hmm. you, you try to give people a, a a shady product and you want them to accept it as this you know top-notch quality product can see though people can see the imperfection because that's what people you know people have a especially people that have a trained eye they can come in and say like oh wow like mm-hmm. the floor like they didn't it's not even spaced properly right the, the yeah. ceramic floors isn't spaced properly right so i i agree with yeah, yeah. I mean, especially you get a con- another contractor in there, and then you'll get nipped. Oh, uh, they tear it up. <laughs> Every contractor will go in there and be like, "Well, I mean, he did a good job, but yeah, uh, I could have did." <laughs> yeah, yeah. It's like, come on, man. Like, <laughs> it's always something. I've never met a contractor that came in behind another contractor and was like they did good work. Yeah. Like I, and it could be good work, and it's like. Uh, yeah. They're always going to critique it. Man. I could have did. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. Yeah. I wanted to hit on this one with you too. I mean, you said that your true purpose is freedom and following your passion. So explain yeah. this more. This one was huge. So for me, freedom, right? I find myself having to, I'm still in my nine to five job, right? So I haven't cut the umbilical cord loose yet. Mm-hmm. I, I'm still, I wouldn't say I'm dependent, but that money, you know, that's consistent money that I know is coming in every, every two weeks. And, and I'm looking forward to it, to be honest, but I still have to get up every day, you know, at eight o'clock from five o'clock to work a job or some, you know, for another company. So I really don't have true freedom. Right. Right. I'm still kind of obligated to be a certain place at a certain time to get a, to get a certain job done. And then um, financial freedom when it comes to paying bills, right? I don't have enough money so where I can, I don't have things on autopilot where I've done enough work so where my cash flow is constantly coming in. I'm making, you know, let's say I'm making a hundred grand a month. I don't have to worry about my bills, right? I'm still trying to make sure that I'm, you know, paying for things, paying for bills, paying for contract. I still I'm not, for me, I don't really truly feel free in the sense that um, I'm still have, I'm still attached to these bills. I'm still attached to these jobs. So for me, that's what I'm working towards, right? Mm-hmm. I want to be able to have freedom in my life, freedom in my lifestyle, freedom in my travels, freedom in the things that I do, um, freedom just to do whatever I may want to do at that time. You know, right. Mm-hmm. If I want to go create a podcast, you know, I'm going to go do a podcast because I can do that. Right. I've, I've done enough work to provide for myself and my family. And I put enough processes in place and systems in place. Now I can make time for myself mm-hmm. to do the things that I want to do. Right. So I find myself um, still being tied uh, and attached to some of these things. And it's OK. But I know that's what I'm working towards. Right. I'm working towards freedom where I can be in another country and things are on autopilot. Yeah, I might still have my computer and my laptop, but now I can just get on the phone and say, hey, you know, which, where are we at? You know, what do y'all need help with? What are the resources? I, but I can be all the way in a whole other country enjoying my life and not being so tied because I feel like money isn't the most important thing in, in this world, right? There's so many other things that's, that's, that's over money, but when you have it, you don't have to worry about it. Mm-hmm. 
Now you get to focus on those other things that's more important, right? Your family, your friends, your time, because a lot of people, they work until they're 60 years old trying to provide a life for their family, right? And now they retire and want to enjoy it, but you're 60 something years old, mm-hmm. right? Like the, the same, you don't have the same experiences when you're 60 years old versus you're 30, you're 40, you're 50. You, you wasted all of this youth that you had to go out and just be adventurous on a job working a nine to five. And now you finally got your freedom, mm-hmm. right? Now, you, you know, you finally got your freedom to do the things you want, but I don't want to be able to have to wait to 65 years old to start collecting my 401k and my social security to say, oh, now, you know, let's go, let's go travel the world. Let's go do this, let's go do that. I want to be able to do that and still be able to, of course, run my business, but I want to be able to have that freedom, right? And for me, the passion comes, for me, I want to, for me, um, my purpose is my passion, right? Mm-hmm. And, and that's whatever I want to do, right? Right now, it's real estate, you know? Right now, I'm, I'm in tune, I'm passionate about real estate, I'm passionate about doing, um, investing in, in the communities and building up communities. So for me, that's an indirect effect of my passion, right? I'm, Essentially, I'm essentially I'm chasing after my passion, but indirectly, I'm helping a lot of people. Right. I can go in fixed neighborhoods. You know, I'm, I'm essentially going to for me, it's, a, it's more of a selfish thing. But indirectly, I'm helping communities. I'm helping people. I'm helping first time buyers find lovely homes. But essentially, I'm working towards my passion. I'm indirectly helping a lot of people. Right. So for me, whatever I'm doing, I want to be able to focus on things that I love to do. I want to be able to focus on things that make me happy. I don't want to have to do it just to get a check. Yeah. You know, I don't want to be like, uh, I have to go to work in order to provide for my family. I have to work this nine to five job. I want to be able to work on things that make me happy, make me excited. Cause essentially it's all about how I feel. You know, I got to wake up to, chase my dreams and by chasing my dreams it indirectly helps a lot of people like i've i've probably created i've created two entrepreneurs in my family um based off of me following my dreams because they seen me going to get my dreams and having some success now they're like my little brother you know has found his passion his dreams he's going to get it I can do the same thing. So indirectly, it's helping a lot of people. But it's for me, it's it's kind of selfish to be honest. Yeah, I mean, while well, you're making an impact, first of all, I mean, the second that like you saying, Pat, having your true passion. If you're not passionate about something, man, it's it's like yeah. you're waking up the and you know how that is. It's, it's a just, dread. <laughs> yeah, and that's the thing. And there's there's unfortunately majority of people are that way they're working for a job that they truly aren't passionate Mm -hmm. about because it's a comfort level it's just being comfortable they're not they're not moving out of even the homes they're in or doing taking those risks that you keep talking about it's just they because of fear that's that voice in the back of their head like we talked about and it's just i'm gonna live comfortable i'm gonna live in the same spot for the next 50 years and so on i mean you by you saying 
you know, I don't want to retire when I'm 60. I want to actually enjoy life and so on. You don't want to be that guy traveling to different countries with a walker, you know, man, you know, and being able to be, not be yeah. Can't stay <laughs> yeah, yeah. And I mean, that's, that's the thing is, is you're doing something, you found what you're passionate about. You enjoy doing it. You're helping people along the way too. Yeah. yeah you're benefiting yourself and your family, but you're benefiting other people and rebuilding that community that you're in. And, and that's, what's so important about it. You're looking at it in a different way. It's not just about a check. You yeah. know, a lot of people that are doing what you're doing, it's all about the money, it's yeah. out, but they're going to, they're going to be behind you because you have the passion that it's just not about a check. It's about helping people. And that's, mm. I, I'm a big believer in that. If you do have a passion for what you do, but you do care about it. And that's what this podcast is about. Everybody that's been on it has okay. that, has that same mindset of, yeah. I want to help the customer. I want to help the people, you know, I'm not just doing it. Yeah. I'm making money along the way doing what I'm doing, but it is really mm. about helping people. You know, yeah, I look yeah, at the real estate game. I talk about it. I talk about real estate all the time and being a realtor. Well, there's, there's thousands and tens of thousands of realtors, absolutely. especially in the state of Florida, man, that you, you <laughs> come, everybody that moves here, they get the real estate license. So, yep. you know, but where I stand out is actually, I have that experience and construction background and the passion to help somebody choose the right piece of dirt before they build or choose the right home where they're not going to have a lot of headaches while they move mm-hmm. into it and so on, because I can see these things. Yeah. So if I'm going to steer them towards a lower price piece of dirt versus the higher price, like your typical realtor, oh, you got to go with the higher price one. It's priced higher for a reason. Because I'm going to make more money. That's the thing. It's all about commission, man. That's the thing. And and that's that's the problem. And that's the problem with a lot of businesses too. It's about more money rather than helping. And once you get past that mindset of not caring so much about the money, although money is good, I'm not saying it's bad, but once you get past that mindset of just, it's about helping people and furthering the community, like you said, the sky's Mm -hmm. the limit for you, man. Yeah. The money going to come. Yeah. Yeah. Like you don't got to worry about the money coming. No. (laughs) <laughs> no, because people are going to see that passion in you. They're going to see yeah. it. I mean, just what you said just a little bit ago, people are going to hear this. And, and if they're in the Detroit area too, they're going to be, I, I want to work with Darius. Absolutely. Why, why should I work with anybody else? I mean, the guy down the street's flipping homes too. And I walked up to him and he, you know, all he talked about was dollar figures. Well, Darius is how to do it, talking about how to do it right. Talking about, you know, standing out and helping us. I'd mm. rather work with him. Absolutely. Yeah. I agree. I get that a lot, to be honest. I get a lot of people that reach out to me and it's like, hey, I see you put yeah. giving, giving back. I want to work with you. Yeah. And I mean, and, and if I was you too, man, I'd be pumping out every, as much social media content as possible with that too, because it's yeah. worked for me too. I mean, like people see, like I do funny videos, I do walkthroughs, I do all this stuff, but they also see that I actually care. I'm trying to teach them about the building industry too. And and I'm not just stone cold doing it like that awkward older realtor or whatever, you know, and so on. But I'm, I'm, I have a little comedy behind it, but I'm actually trying to teach these people. I have a sense of humor. Mm. I have, and I, and they can see that I actually care. And I've had people message me, you know, off of stuff I was selling. That's good. Yeah. I want to work with you. I see, you know, and people that I talked about this in one of my last podcasts that I, it was about marketing too. It's just, People want to work with people they connect with and click with more than yeah. anything. If you're not, and, and they're obviously, I mean, a lot of the stuff you do, did, I watched a lot on YouTube too. They, I can see your passion 
in your community and helping the people within it too. So, I mean, mm-hmm. like I said, you can expand on that and the, the sky's the limit with you, man. There's oh yeah, only, absolutely. much more to come. I know for a fact. Oh, so. for sure. For sure. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So I am, I mean, not to go, not to go from a positive note to a sour note, but I wanted to, you were talking about like the, the, and I, uh, this is, I, I, I love hearing about this kind of, so the construction nightmares. So let's hear some of the construction oh, nightmares that you've had to go through too. Oh <laughs> man. Um, so when I first started doing construction, right. Mm. Um, just with a little bit of experience that I had, I found the first people, the cheapest people, um, the people that just showed up in jeans and t-shirts said, Hey, let's, let's work. Right. And these were good people, but I knew that, and I didn't have, like, I knew that I couldn't grow with them because they didn't have a team. It was just them, et cetera, et cetera. My next project that I worked on, I hired another contractor, right? And he was, he was a licensed, credible contractor. You know, we vetted him. We looked at his work, but the mistake that I made was I gave him too much money up front. That's how I learned that lesson. I gave him, I gave him too much money up front, and he didn't get the work done in a timely manner that I wanted him to get the work. Because if I'm paying you the money, you should be at, at my projects working and getting the work done, right? I shouldn't have to go by a week later and say, why, why, why isn't this job done yet, right? So for me, we had a little fallout, a little complication with the, with the contractor. And the contractor, pretty much... His character, right? This is why I started judging people by their character because at first I didn't look at people's character. I was just like, hey, if you got the best price and you can do the work, then come on. But his character really showed itself truly in that moment because he pretty much laughed out at us with an attitude because we're asking him to get the work done. And it's like, we paid you already, right? So for me in that scenario, I believe in hire slow, fire fast, right? If a person is not cooperating with the vision that you have and don't want to be an attribute to your team, then they got to go. And you shouldn't be trying to force um, yourself to work with this person and make the relationship work when there's already conflict, when it's already not working. Hey, it's not a good fit. And I end up just firing the guy instantly. And I end up losing about, you know, $1,200 on it. But for me, it was more of a peace of mind. And I wasn't even more stressed out about the money because the margins were still in the deal where I could still make some money yet. But for me, um, it was more so about getting people around me that I can be accountable, that were, you know, we have some things in common. We had the same vision and we can work towards the same goal and do it in a friendship business type of way where, hey, if there's any issues, we should be able to at least talk through them and figure out a solution versus being confrontational about some things that may have went wrong. Yeah. And and that's the thing too. I I think the more you've done it, the more you've been able to kind of feel people out and get, Mm -hmm. you know, I mean, you being, having the experience, I mean, it's like me with, with sales and so on too. I mean, the more people you work with, the more people you kind of tell or, actually going to do something versus other people that, you know, might be kicking tires or so mm-hmm. on, you know, Josh, you, you of, around. Yep. yeah. And you can kind of tell as they come in and out uh, in, in certain situations too. And, and it's, it just comes with experience overall, man. And that's the thing too, as far as hiring contractors. I mean, I see it all the time. I mean, with us hiring subcontractors on our builds, I mean, I've had mm-hmm. to go, I've had to experience bad ones, you know, unfortunately lost us money. 
Uh, and I've experienced really good ones and, and you, you learn as you go through life and anything with business. And that's what you had to do. Absolutely. But them, the ones you hold on to the good ones. Yeah. You you hold on to them for dear life, you know, (laughs) because you know that they give quality where, you know, they're accountable. You know, you don't got to call them every day to make sure they're at the job site. They can, they have some accountability about themselves and now it makes your job easier. Mm hmm. Mm-hmm. I know. I highly agree. I mean, what the, we've had a lot of the same. I get people all the time that email me saying, "Hey, man, you know, let me shoot you a bid. I'll be a lot less on who you're using yeah. this and that." And it's like you said earlier, though, it's not about that. You know, I got a cabinet guy I've used forever. He does phenomenal work. His installer's mm-hmm. awesome. Uh, he's done our stuff for years, and I, yeah. I don't know how many new cabinet companies. Well, I guarantee we'll beat the price. Custom cabinets. We do this, this, and this. And I'm just like, now nah, we're loyal until they screw up or, or you know, you screw go. us over bad. We're, we're loyal. And that's a loyalty factor that we have. They may mm. cost more money, but, you know, we're going to continue to use them because we know the product that they deliver too. Absolutely. And that's how you grow. Mm-hmm. You got strategic partnerships where now you already know their prices. You know where they're at. You know how, how they can come in on the deal and add some value. You know, instead of you having to constantly go around and change people out all the time, you, for me, I'm always looking to grow with people. Like, I'm looking to give you all my, if you could take on this work, I can give, I can give you all my jobs, you know, if needs be, right? Mm-hmm. So for me, I've found that the best relationships are the ones that, you know, that can grow with you. Y'all can grow together. Y'all can learn together. You know, y'all can elevate together, get more money together. Yeah. I mean, you want everybody working together and, and I mean, they're in the business to make money. You're in the business to make money too, obviously, and also help people and do a good job. I mean, and overall Absolutely. deliver a superior product like we talked about hands mm-hmm. down. Uh, what are, what are some, uh, some major things that have happened to you, uh, you know, in some properties that you've done? I mean, pipes breaking, stuff, oh, you know, uh, crazy expansion. <laughs> I've had in Detroit. So we have a theft issue. And I wouldn't say it's, I think, well, I ain't going to say everywhere because I've never been everywhere. I've only like done real estate in Detroit. But um, there's a real theft issue, right? And I've had a house when I first did one of my, the third house that I bought, I lived in Texas. And my father, uh, this is actually what being, brought me and my father a little bit closer because my father was kind of like, man, it, I, this, is, this is how fresh I was. My father was managing my construction projects <laughs> and he had one of his friends that did construction and come work at the house, right? Uh, he was a one-man guy, but I wasn't really in too much rush. I just wanted to get the work done and I knew I could put some money into both of their pockets and it brought me closer to my father. So um, we had a house, we were working on a house and we, it came around that time where we were coming to put a new furnace in, Right. So we put the new furnace in and we put the old furnace in and set it in front of the house. So that was like a no brainer in hindsight because it made, I made myself an easy target for people that are looking for scrap metal or furnace because now if they seen that this old furnace is in front of the house, now they say, Hey, there must be a new furnace inside. Essentially. <laughs> if it's <this is> old. <laughs> so they literally took up the old furnace, broke in the house, took the furnace, took, it was some other items in there as well, like a couple of different toilets. That was the first night. They came back a second night and uh-huh. took all the materials, right? And hot water tank material, like everything that was pretty much of value that they can get some money for, they took it. 
And my dad called me. He was like, hey, you know, they broke into the house and they stole these things. You know, he was kind of sad about it. And for me, I was like, okay, how much is going to cost? I'm like, I already sent the money to you in cash app. Can you go get that? Like, it really didn't phase me when it happened. It was just like, all right, we still got to, we still got to get this job done. So I've, I've already sent, you know, the money to replace it. So um, go ahead and give the contractor the money so we can go ahead and get the stuff done. Mm-hmm. Um, but that specific scenario was just like, like we say, it was a calculated risk. Like those risks are going to happen. But when it happened, I didn't say like project over, you know, stop the job, put everything down. We're going to quit. No, I just was like, okay. I didn't like, it was literally a split second. Like I, he told me, and I was like, took a deep breath. Okay. Well, I already <laughs> sent you the money. Um, can you go ahead and, and my, and you know, and, and my dad probably like, Three months later, he was like, I'm, I was proud of you at that moment. He was like, that's when I knew you was going to do whatever it takes. Like, he didn't tell me then. He just told me, like, after the project was in. Like, that's when I knew when you was going to do whatever it takes to be successful because mm-hmm. I was stressed. He was like, I was stressing out because I know how much work you put into this house. And I would hate for somebody to take a loss from my son. And the way you handled it was just like, all right, well, they got us. All right, well, can we, let's go put new stuff back in there so we can finish this project and get somebody in there. And that's what I mean by that resiliency, right? Like I was, I was kind of like my life experience have given me this type of resilience that I'm now like not even phased by the biggest thing that goes wrong. I'm just like, okay, well, I, I got a, I got a solution for that too. So oh, yeah. It's that pivot. It's the pivot you talked about. I mean, too. And, and, and the more stuff that's happened to you become not, I don't want to say used to it, but you've mm-hmm. learned through your, your own, your own knowledge and the process and everything of how to handle it. And that's, that's Absolutely. the thing too. I, I'm the same way, man, with this, with, with our business, like, you know, I got people in the office that freak out about little, every little thing. And they're like, this customer's saying this, this, and this, I'm just like, relax. Right. You know, let me let me handle it. I can handle it. if you if they need to call me, tell them to call me because yeah. I know how to talk to them and so on. You know that's that's what I've always been good at. And you know, well, what are we going to do about this? This tile order's not here, so how are we going to do this? And it's just relax. We'll get it when we get it. And that's we're going to have to tell them that it's special ordered. It's delayed. We're going to have to. It's all we can do. So they're yeah. going to have to wait on the install. You know, there's things things to do that you can do to avoid issues and so on and and you know that's that's what you've learned throughout your path and so on too so i mean i give you props Mm -hmm. for that for sure um one thing too i want to kind of talk to you about uh is you know you you've said and we brushed on this but you've said major profits come from purchasing distressed properties at at small values after after repair value so explain this a little bit Yep. So you can find it. A distressed property can be a, a multiple different scenarios, right? You can have people that are a, a distressed property can be a probate property. Somebody inherited a property. They let's say a family of four children inherited a property and they don't even want the property. They're just looking to get the cash. That would be a distressed situation where now you can come in as an investor. You know, give them of course the amount of money that they're looking for and negotiate to make the, the margins work for you and. Uh, when you calculate in the rehab costs, but that would be a distressed property, a, a property that's going to be in foreclosure. 
You know, let's say somebody are past due on their taxes, past due on their mortgage, um, and now they're looking for a solution, right? A lot of times when you when you when your house is foreclosed on, a lot of times you can't get another mortgage until like three to five years because the foreclosure is on your mortgage. But if I come in as the investor say, hey, I can help you with that situation instead of the house going to foreclosure, we can do this. And now you won't have the foreclosure on your record. And now you can actually, you know, once you get your savings up, you can go buy another house. Right. Another another distressed property would be something that's kind of uh, been uh, been vacant for a while. Um, someone that has tenants that can't, that hasn't been paying their rent. They're kind of squatting at this point. So a distressed property is, is a situation where the, the investor can come in and essentially provide a solution to that homeowner to say, Hey, you might not have thought there was any value in this house, or you might've thought that there were no solutions to get you out of this deal, but hey, I can provide you a solution. Like we've literally bought homes that, uh, People, homeowners didn't think there were any value in it, but we knew that based off of the market rates and what was selling in that area, that, hey, we can potentially give you this. And we knew how much we were going to make on the back end, right? Okay. So it all comes back down to the data, right? After you have, and, and getting these distressed properties isn't easy, right? It comes with also building some rapport and credibility because nowadays there's so many scams and uh, people that can, can talk you into doing things that you don't want to do that a lot of people are cautious. So you still have to build that type of rapport and some credibility with the person that could be losing their house or looking to sell their house or no longer wants their house. And once you build that credibility and trust, you now can come in and acquire their house, of course, lower their market rate, because that's when we make our money as an investor. We make our money when we buy at a right price. Of course, we factor in the rehab costs and then that rehab costs, uh, tells us how what's our margins at the end based off of what we've seen that sold on the market within the last year. Mm-hmm. Okay. Yeah, that's definitely good to know. So I, one thing I wanted to talk about with you too, and, and I mean, this has been awesome, obviously like this, uh, you probably have given years and years of info to people. I, I, I mean, you probably, this is probably, I've interviewed wholesalers. I've interviewed flippers in the past, not yeah. discrediting them, but your, your information, man, has been a hundred percent spot on I, I, like yeah. in 10 years worth, man. I mean, if everybody's listening to this too, that it's definitely, you've definitely given some value too. So I really appreciate you too. One thing that I've always, I've been asking everybody, I love this mm-hmm. question because it's, yeah. it's a real, you got to really think about it too. You know, what about you personally? What, you know, you've grown uh, your, co- your company, you're, you're flipping a lot more houses within a, a short period of time too. I mean, you learned all yeah. this stuff on your own. What lessons have you learned throughout your journey that mm-hmm. we should all apply to our own business or lives that can help us grow? Deep okay. question. Yeah, it's a deep question. And it's like a multiple of different things um, Mm. that I can tell people. uh, No, just, yeah, go. I mean, it's, and I get a different answer every time. (laughs) That's why I love this question. I think your mindset, Mm -hmm. I think um, you really have to have the, you really have to focus on the things that you think about your mindset what's pushing you, what's motivating you. Because if you have a negative mindset, then you're always going to look at the problems in the situation, right? Mm -hmm. And that's always going to negate you from taking action. But if you have a positive mindset and you're always 
opportunistic to look at these situations and say, hey, I can find a solution no matter what the problem is. And I, I think that takes a, a certain kind of mindset and a certain kind of discipline one person has to have. Um, I think that's really where it starts at your mindset, your mindset. Because sometimes I'm gonna be honest, I'm I'm not always in the mood or have the the mental capacity to go out and kill it, right? Yeah. I have to put my mind in a, a, a mental state so that I can go out and achieve excellence, right? But a lot of people, I feel like if you don't folk, like you can learn all of this stuff, and if you don't have the right mindset and the right drive and a lot of it won't get done and you'll be easily deterred. So for me, um, and, I, and it's really only personal experience for me because mm-hmm. some days I, I, I don't even like to get out the bed because my mindset, I'm like in a negative space and I've let things consume me, right? But I've taught myself how to overcome these negative things and taught myself different tools to, to, to put myself in those positive situations that now I can go kill it. I can go crush it. So for me, your mindset you know, how you think about things, how you look at things will tell you everything. You can tell a negative person just by the things that they say and the mm. things that they the things that they pay attention to. Right. You know, if they're always talking about what can go wrong, then you can tell that that person's mindset is fear. You know, right. They're, they're afraid to take risks. They're, they're scared. They're, they're, that's what's blocking them. But if you have a person that can say like, oh, I, I see the problem and I'm OK with, you know, I can find a solution to that. And that tells me like. Those are the type of people that I really want to work with when it comes to like professionals, the people that have the mindset that like we can conquer anything, whatever the solution, whatever the problem may be, we'll figure it out no matter what. Yeah, I mean, you you that's so spot on, too, because you get around like minded people, man, it's going to push you and drive you even more. And absolutely. And, I, and that's the thing, like talking to you, too. I, like I, I mean, you have and mean listening to you today and everything too. I mean, I got a lot of the same mindset as you and so on. Just, I mean, you, you it almost draws you, and that's why when I reached, I saw you and I reached, I, I did my research on you. I reached out to you too because I'm like, man, I got to get this guy on my podcast. Man. <laughs> Appreciate it. it. <laughs> you got that mind that that's so spot on though because it drains you when you're around somebody negative. It really does. It sucks the mm. life out of you and and. And I had that in my past. I've, I had a past relationship where it was just, it was draining, man. It, and it would literally suck the life out of me. And and I took time, This and it was a year ago, I took time to finally where I was like, all right, I got to, it was a little over a year ago, but I'm like, I got to focus on my, I got to start really yeah. evaluating my situation. I got to really look into what's going yeah. on with my life. Like, what can I do to better myself and all? And when I started surrounding myself with, with people that had that similar mindset and got better. Yeah. And then basically, (laughs) you know, everything I scrolled through now on Facebook and Instagram is all positivity, you know, and all from these higher people trying to better themselves. I mean, Mm. it changes everything, man. It really does. Yeah. You got to really, like for me, I got so uh, strategic about what I surround myself. I don't even, the people, things that I see on social media, if they're negative, I'll unfollow you. Yeah. Cause I don't even want to see that. Mm-hmm. I don't want to put my stuff in them. I don't want to read it and feel that negativity because it can easily overcome you if you let it. Oh, yeah. Um, so I, I started looking at my friends, relationships as well. You know, that's a big thing. Like you can be, you can have friends that you've had for years, right? And you've never paid attention to their behaviors and how it's kind of hindering you. Mm-hmm. Uh, because you think that, hey, this is really one of my good friends, you know, 
but a good friend would never want to tear you down or never want to, you know, have anything. And they, they always want to uplift you. Mm-hmm. So for me, I started to like get new friends, friends that, you know, were on the same thing that I wanted to do. And it just, it just pushed me. Cause I'm like, you're winning. All right. I need, and it was like, kind of like a, a friendly competition. Like we're, yeah. we're not, you know, I'm not saying I want you to do bad or anything. I'm, I'm rooting for you, but you know, when you win, I'm happy for you. When I win, you happy for me. But at the same time, we kind of trash talking like, yeah, I'm, I just did this. What you go, what you going to do? Um, so yeah, man, relationships, um, your significant other. I read a book about, um, I think it's called the millionaire mindset. Mm-hmm. And it talked about how your significant other can be a crutch to like your success because they can either support you or they can tear you down. Mm-hmm. And a lot of millionaires that I've, in that book, a lot of millionaires, they cho- they chose their significant others wise. They didn't choose them just because they was the most pretty. And, and, and that's, you know, that's a good quality to choose a person off of. But they looked at the other characteristics to say like, hey, you know, can, does this person support me? Is she, you know, selfish in her ways and just always thinking about what she can get out of the deal? When it comes to me, do I have, you know, if I'm down, can she motivate me? You know, if, if we were to take a loss, will she leave? Like, I feel like these are all the different things that you got to ask yourself, especially, you know, when you're in a relationship and you're mm-hmm. thinking about getting serious with anybody. Like, I asked my girlfriend, you know, me and my girlfriend has these same conversations. Like, I'm, I'm so transparent with her. And I'm like, you know, if anything was to happen to me, I need to know that you'll be able to pick it up, yeah. you know, where I left off. Or you'll be, we'll be able to, defend and survive you know because if you're just leaning on me then if something happened to me then it's what, what about the kids who's going to take care of it you know so <laughs> you want to have a uh, uh man scenario. that's a whole nother conversation oh <laughs> yeah, yeah we can go hours on that <laughs> one man that'd be a whole nother two hours <laughs> <laughs> yeah. no i mean i i 100 like i've 100 agreed with you this whole time man like you're spot on i get definitely the same train of thought and mindset with you too. And that's the thing. It takes a special person too, as far as a relationship to be with somebody like you and I to where, you know, our minds are constantly racing of what we got to do next. What are we doing here? I mean, my girlfriend too, she thinks I'm nuts sometimes because (laughs) I'm, you know, I'm always like thinking about how I can get better. It's a forward thinking mindset yeah. rather than looking in the past and thinking, oh, you know, those were the good old days. No, it's all forward thinking. How can mm. I progress this way or this way yep. and choose the right thing, you know, and, and um, by constantly editing, constantly doing this, constantly working, constantly making the right calls and so on and trying to just make that next step good. forward you know that's that's the thing and i'm sure your your girlfriend's the same way where sometimes she like looks at you like how the hell do you do it you yeah know? and mm-hmm. it's just and then you're pushing her too and i'm sure mm-hmm. she's having more success with everything because she surrounded herself with you too yep. so you start seeing that happen because there and i do that with mine where i'm like you can level up and be here you don't have to stay <laughs> you can be here like yeah. let me sh- <laughs> yeah here, take my hand. Let me show you the way. Let and me if, show yeah. you. And more I, than likely, if she, if you're dating a girl, you know, if you're that girl's with you, she probably has that same mindset as you. So you're leveling her up too. Because yeah. I was with somebody, man. Like we, we can go on for two hours. I was with somebody <laughs> that drained me, and and yeah. it was just it was just a bad experience. But you know, then I learned from that. That's the that's the thing. You learn from yeah. and everything too. So I mean, a hundred percent, man. And um. 
one thing to keep moving here. I, I always ask too. I always ask about your past. We learned about that. I want to ask about your future. Yeah. Uh, 10, five, 10 years, 15, 20, where will we see Darius Barrett? Who will you be? So for me, my vision is owning multiple. I want to, I'm, I'm looking to be a serious serial entrepreneur, to be honest. Um, I'm looking to, of course, focus on niche markets. I'm not looking to be an Amazon and focus on this huge marketplace, right? But for me, I'm always constantly looking on better, efficient business models and how can I create cash flow with doing something that takes me little to no time and leveraging technology. For me, technology, I mean, we, they, I hear people talk, we see it. We're, I mean, this is technology right here, right? We're mm-hmm. having a virtual podcast meeting, <laughs> right? So years ago, we might've never thought about this. So for me, I'm always trying to look towards the future to say, okay, how can I incorporate technology into a business model and make it and innovate it? Because a lot of the things that are already out here, you know, there's nothing for me, there's nothing new under, under the sun, but there's a new way to deliver, right? There's, mm-hmm. more, there's a more innovative way to deliver it. So for me, I'm constantly like thinking about, okay, what new business avenue can I go in that I can generate some cash flow? Because real estate, real estate is fun. You'll get the cash flow if you have residential buying holds, right? But if you're doing flipping, sometimes that money not, might not be as frequent as you would like. You might not get a check every month. It might be two months, three months, then you might get back to back to back to back checks. And then you might go three months without one, right? Mm-hmm. So for me, I'm looking to create or not even create, just establish another business. And I really want to be a serial entrepreneur where I'm constantly creating these different businesses, hiring different people, you know, creating self-sustainability within my company. Because once I get to a certain point in real estate where I kind of figure out, I got it, I know it, I can do it 10 different ways. I can forward, backwards, side to side, however we want to go, I can do real estate. And I always have that knowledge to be able to lean on it, do deals here and there, and always have my real estate investment company. And, and I'll, you know, start to teach the people and my employees that are under me. But eventually... You know, I want to keep establishing more opportunities, more businesses, more things that could be of added value to my community. And for me, the goal is just to be self-sustainable, right? I want to be able to not be dependent on one thing, but I don't want to try to do a bunch of things, right? That's why I say I really want to focus on niche things, right? Things where I see that there's a, there's um, an opportunity for me to come in and innovate it and add value and be able to make money off of that. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean, and uh, that's awesome too, man. I give you a lot of credit too. I have no doubt, I have no doubt in my mind that you're going to do all that stuff, man. Because I mean, having the drive you got and everything and already start where you're at and doing the things you did without even knowing how to do them too. I mean, yeah. that's the mindset it takes, 100%. That is. That's what it takes. And you're, you'll get there. And it's like, you know, it, it all takes time too. It's not going to happen overnight. And that's, that's one important factor that you have that you, you agree with because not a lot of people, you know, especially in the millennial world too, like Man. ourselves, uh, they just want that instant gratification that, you know, it's going to happen overnight. And that's why mm. they never do do what they want to do. Cause it's like you said, they'll try it once if they're getting into flipping or whatever, and they'll mess it up and then they'll quit. That's the yep. problem. 
you know, it's like in any business, they mess up, they quit because they say, oh, I guess I don't have what it takes. But no, right. the difference in the mindset is that you're learning from that. All right. How can I go? go and do and get better on the next deal too so absolutely because when things go wrong i always tell people like like i have a wholesaling side of the business as well and i'm like we haven't got a deal in probably two weeks i'm like we just got to get better mm-hmm. like like there's no need to stop we just need to figure out how to get better <laughs> like like you like i don't think this is working i'm like it's working we just got to get better like maybe we need to get better on the phones maybe we need to get better at looking maybe get, get better at offering but Somewhere we need to get better and we need to figure out where we need to get better at instead of trying to figure out how we can quit and, yeah. and do something else. Let's just figure out how we can get better. That's the difference maker right there, man. How can we get better? The way you just said right there. And that's every day. I mean, grow every single day. And no matter yeah. what you do, that's spot on right there, man. I got a friend of mine, right? And I'm going to give him a, a shameless plug right now. His name is Keon. <laughs> Keon, Keon Clinton, right? And that's his Instagram, right? And he has a motto and I love it. And his motto is 1% better, right? And it's, yeah. he, he's talking about 1% better every day. How do I get 1% better every day? And essentially, that's the mindset that we have. Like, you know, I'm not, I, I got some success, so I'm not slowing down, but I'm still trying to figure out how do I get better every day and whatever thing, whatever that is I'm trying to do, how do I get better? And it's just 1%. (laughs) I love that because 1% every single day, I mean, you can do that because there's no excuse not to, whether it's just reading a book or doing something, learning something, challenging yourself, go online, look something up, read an article, you know, write a blog, write, write, write an article. There's always an opportunity every single day, especially in the world that we live in. I love, I love what he said there though. 1% every single day because you can there's so many different things that we can be doing, you know, that is going to, and you might not see it now. I mean, even a social media post, you know, oh, yeah. you can post something on social media that's meaningful. You may not see it, but it might catch somebody's eye and you're helping somebody else. Absolutely. You know, there's your 1% growth because they're going to, re- <laughs> they're going to remember you. I, you know, Absolutely. The thing, and they're going to keep following you and they're going to refer you to, I mean, there's stuff that you can be doing. It's just, I love that. That was, that's awesome, man. For sure. And, um, last question, what this show's all about, what exactly do people need to look for when investing in real estate and why should they choose to learn from one of the best at it? Darius Barrett. <laughs> why they should, why they should learn from yeah, me? Wh- what should they look for when investing in real estate? Let's, let's, let's start there. And why should okay. they, uh, why, you why should, should they take some advice from you yourself? You should know your strategy, right? Mm-hmm. You should know your extra strategy going into it. And then once you know your extra strategy and you know what you're looking for, your return, your investment, then you can invest in real estate, right? But if you don't know a strategy, you don't know how I'm going to do this deal. You don't know if you're going to buy and hold it, flip it, wholesale it. If you don't know what you're going to do, then it's going to be hard for you to be, you know, make some money in this game because now you're going into it blindsided, not really having a strategy of like, okay, I know this is a wholesale deal. Easily, I'm gonna, I got a buyer already, you know, but if you just go into it like, hey, I'll figure it out when I get there, you know, after the deal is done, you might get into that deal and there might not be a deal, you know, but you don't, you didn't know that, right? So, you should invest in real estate because real estate is a tool that can help you build wealth. Real estate is a tool that can be passed down from generation to generation. 
that education and that company that you created for your family can be beneficial. You might not see it in the first generation. You might not see it in the second generation. You might be that great, great, great grandmother or grandfather that down the road, you've established this company five, you know, five generations ago, but now it's a billion dollar company and it all started with you. And now your face is on a mantle at everybody's house because they're so thankful for you because you established something that could be generational and it could uh, assist, essentially assist your family with building wealth and not be dependent. And now you can be self-sustainable within, within your family. So that is why I would say you shouldn't invest in real estate now, why should you invest in, you know, why should you learn from me is because I'm diligent um, in what I do. I take my time. I'm passionate. Um, I give it my all. I give it 110%. I don't give people fluff. You know, I give people straight, narrow answers. And I'm, I'm always looking to help. I'm never looking to um, get over on somebody or take, or take advantage of somebody. I'm always looking mm-hmm. to add value and, and figure out how I can help. I've turned down deals or people asking me to help them because I knew in that scenario in the capacity that they wanted me to help it, I couldn't add any value. Now I could have took your money and said, Hey, yeah, I can make some stuff up and make it fluff and make it sound good. But for me, that was not my character, right? I don't get off on taking advantage of people. I get off on making or, or being able to help people, being able to add value people. And I took it. Um, I started with this, this journey by myself. And now I've been able to build a team, build a network of people that have helped me. And if you're looking to invest in real estate and if you work with me, you'll have that same network of people that can potentially pour into you, give you resources, help you out, help you along the way. So you won't be able to make the same mistakes that I made. Love it, man. Love it. Yeah. This has been great. This has been one of the, one of the, Better podcasts I've had, man. <laughs> a lot of great value. Uh, you, you did an awesome job, man. And I really appreciate you taking the time to the last thing. Uh, where can people find and connect with you? Yep. You can connect with me via email at uh, the investor, I N B E S T O R 2.0 at gmail.com. Or you can find me on all social media handles, especially Instagram. Um, at Mr. Revere, M-R dot R-E-V-E-R-E. Um, also, my YouTube page. I'm actually going to be releasing some videos pretty soon of a flip we just did, start to finish. Um, and then I give a lot of value in my videos yeah, where you can like, it's, you're essentially there in the rehab kind of picking up on the things that I'm seeing, picking up on knowledge that I'm giving. So you can learn a lot from just my videos alone. Yeah, no, I've watched some of your video, man. I highly, everybody that's listening, go out and check that out for sure. Uh, yeah, I love what you're doing, man. Darius, keep it up for sure. And then uh, thank you once again for coming on, man. This has been a ton of value packed in one episode. So, I mean, <laughs> you got to cut it into three episodes. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I mean, if we would have kept on that relationship thing, man, it probably, yeah. <laughs> Probably would have probably a little lasted another two hours, but no, I appreciate, yeah, I appreciate you, man. I appreciate your time too. And, uh, obviously everybody that's listening, thank you for listening and I will see you guys on the next episode. Thank you so much for listening to this episode of the real build. And guys, if you would just take a little bit of your time to write a review below, I'd really appreciate it. It doesn't take long. Obviously, reviews are going to make this show be heard by more people. 
And that's what we need. We need to get this out there. So please write a review, share it with your friends and family. And thank you so much for everybody that's listening. And I'll see you guys on the next episode.